looking at Jeremiah chapter 17. This morning, uh, you're going to want to dig in here and follow along. Jeremiah 17, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 10 this morning. So, Jeremiah 17, uh, starting in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning, I get to uh, try to keep you guys all awake, those of you who stayed up till uh, midnight and beyond watching uh, one of those rousing uh, football games that was on last night or uh, watching the ball drop or whatever you happened uh, to be doing. Uh, But I'm really excited here for a new year. I don't know about you, but uh, new year comes with all of this new energy and excitement. It's a fresh start. And so we all get to an opportunity for something new. And that is always exciting to kind of tap into some of that energy that is there in a new year. And so last year, um, around this time, we kicked off right, uh, our uh, year with a spiritual formation sermon in a class to kind of help people grow, uh, just to tap into some of that latent energy that's surrounding this new year. We're going to do the same thing uh, this year as well. And so I'm going to be preaching this morning a little bit, give you a little vision for this uh, Fruit to Root class that we're doing uh, in the month of January and hopefully get you interested in, well, what it looks like to grow and change and mature as a follower of Jesus as we're heading into this uh, new year, just to try to harness all of that energy for uh, kingdom purposes. Right, the problem with most New Year's resolutions, right, to eat better, to exercise more, to be more productive, right? They, right, they tend to fizzle, right? We, we know that like the gym is packed in January. If you go down to the Y, uh, downtown, I mean, it's just going to be busting. It's going to be hopping all this week and maybe next week and the week after that. But you know, by the end of the month, you know, there's like, you can actually get your machine again. And, you know, you can actually, you know, hang out down there and, and uh, it's not quite as insanely Um, cramped. You know, we may have great vision, we might even have a great plan, and yet we can't seem to stick with it, right? We fall back into the same unhealthy patterns. And I want to suggest that one of the reasons we find ourselves in this place is because the change is too superficial, right? We need heart change. We don't just need to fix a few of our habits and behaviors, but we need something deeper. We need deeper change happening in our hearts and in our lives. We have to become the kind of people who really want what God wants. We can't just white-knuckle it. We can't just win through with pure willpower, right? We have a limited supply of willpower. Some of us more than others, right? But at the end of the day, right, we all need deep change that's coming out of our hearts. This morning, I want to look at an extended metaphor that Scripture gives us for this kind of growth. It's the picture here in Jeremiah 17 
Uh, we see it in Psalm 1. We see it in the teaching of Jesus of this tree sinking its roots down into the water and bearing abundant fruit. Um, and, uh, and so I want to dig in here and look at just one of these passages, Jeremiah 17, that, that fleshes this metaphor out. And then we're going to spend even more time, if you're interested, digging into this metaphor and unpacking it a little more deeply in our winter class here. So, so this morning, I want to call your attention to four things here in Jeremiah 17. So four elements of this uh, extended metaphor we see in Scripture about how the Christian life is like a tree that's growing and bearing abundant fruit. I want to draw your attention to four things. First, I want you to notice the heat in our text this morning. There's heat that is in the midst of this here extended metaphor for us. I want you to notice the shrub in the desert. There's a, there's a shrub in the desert. There's water, and then there's this tree right by streams of water. So the heat, the shrub, the water, and then this fruitful tree. And my aim for this morning's sermon is to give us a very concrete biblical picture for change that I hope would be helpful for you going into this new year, right? That you can kind of keep this picture in your mind throughout the course of this year and be thinking through how change looks in the Christian life. And so let's pray as we dive in this morning, and then we'll spend a little time together digging into this passage. Oh, Father, it's so exciting to be embarking on a new year uh, with all of its opportunities and possibilities. And so would you help us be attentive to the areas uh, that need attention in our lives, in our relationships, the areas where you want us to grow and mature this year? Would you give us the faith, the wisdom, the strength, and uh, a community around to support us, uh, to help us see lasting change and growth happen in our lives this year? And would you get the glory, God, in all the ways that we grow and change and mature And so we pray you'd come this morning by the power of your spirit. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are in Jeremiah 17, and we have this picture, right, of these trees here. We have this shrub that's kind of withering in the desert, and we have this picture here, if you just read through our text, uh, right, of this tree by streams of water bearing abundant fruit. But what you'll notice here in verse 8 is that there's also heat. And so let me read uh, verse 8 here. We read that he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. There is this heat happening here in the midst of our text, right? And so one of the trees in our text is withering under the heat, uh, this intense kind of desert heat that is just beating down on it. Uh, But there's another tree in our text, right? And it's by these beautiful streams of water, and it's just bearing abundant fruit, even in the midst of drought, even in the midst of difficult difficult seasons. Heat in this text um, is a very helpful metaphor for the adversity, the challenges, the setbacks, and suffering we all face in a broken and fallen world, right? The Bible is very realistic about the challenges facing us in our daily lives. We live in a world that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why we had a time of confession already in our service, right? We recognize that we're not the way we're supposed to be. The world's not the way we're supposed to be. And so we live in the midst of that heat in our everyday lives and in the midst of our situations, right? The car will break down at the most inconvenient time, 
the furnace will die on the coldest day of winter, right? We might get hit with an unexpected sickness or loss of a loved one. This is heat in our lives. This is the kind of difficulty, the futility of living life in a fallen world. And it's important that we adjust our expectations, right, accordingly if we are going to survive in a world that is not the way it's supposed to be. Paul Tripp and Tim Lena ask these questions uh, in um, Help People Change. One of the books we'll be looking at this fall for our Fruit to Root class. Uh, but there's just opening questions that help us say, are we wrestling with the fruit in our lives? Here are a few questions maybe for you to think about uh, this year. Do you tend to minimize how painful life can be? Do you expect life to be trouble-free? Do you tend to think good things and bad things are completely separate experiences when in reality uh, difficulty is often hidden blessing and blessing is often found in difficulty? Do you expect the good things you have to be permanent? Do you live as if you are invincible thinking that you have the wisdom and strength to avoid and endure suffering? Are you surprised when you don't? Are you trusting your life to modern technology's apparent ability to protect and rescue, and rescue us or rescue us? Do you place undue competent confidence in your ability to control your life, mistakenly assuming you can manage your way out of suffering? I think it is really important as we start off this new year to start with realistic expectations. And if you are super idealistic, have super high standards, uh, perfectionistic tendencies like I do, right? you are going to be super frustrated by living in a fallen world where things don't work the way they're supposed to work. It's going to be super easy to throw in the towel when your best laid plans for the new year go off the rails, right? You're, you're going you're gonna to want to quit. Also, I think starting with the heat we all experience helps us recognize and identify the suffering in our own lives and the lives of others around us Sometimes, if someone is suffering, right, we assume it's because of their own foolishness. And sometimes, right, we can be really quick to want to just fix them and go, hey, have you thought of this? If you just did this, like all of your problems would go away. Maybe you've been on the receiving side of this kind of well-intentioned efforts to fix you and repair all of the mistakes or foolishness in your life. It's super frustrating and discouraging, isn't it, right? When somebody just comes along and goes, well, if you just did this, all of your problems would go away. We need to do a better job caring for people as a church who are suffering, to weep with those who weep and utilize the biblical resources we have for lament, right? Sometimes living in a fallen world is really difficult, and we just are dealing with the heat of that, and we just need to sit with people sometimes in the midst of their suffering as a church, right? Because we live in a fallen world. That's what we're here for as a church, right? To be able to walk alongside of people with really difficult, heavy circumstances, not just to give them quick, trite, uh, here's how to fix your life sort of advice. So we live in a fallen world filled with heat, how are we going to respond, right? Our text offers two responses in the form of two trees, right? One a shrub, kind of a thorn bush that's withering out in the desert, and then this stream by, this tree by streams of water bearing abundant uh, fruit. Let's look at this thorn bush. Look at this shrub of the desert first. We have kind of these two different trees, two different, which represents two different responses to the adversity and the suffering that we face in life. Here in verse 5, notice... Uh, we see a man intent on conquering life's challenges without God's help. So verse 5, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man 
who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. This is someone right, who relies on their own strength, right? relies on their own wisdom, uh, ignores the people that God has placed in their lives to help them grow and mature. Uh, we see the same contrast in Psalm 1 between the righteous and the wicked. Right? Here's a person who thinks, I can do life on my own. I have all the resources I need. Uh, I don't need any of your help. Thank you very much. Right? In verse 6, we see the consequences of this lifestyle. Right? He's like a shrub of the desert. He's not going to see any good. He's like a, a parched place in the wilderness, right? This person is in a very dry and barren place. Similarly, in Psalm 1, the wicked is like the chaff, blown away by the wind. It's a metaphor for an empty, meaningless, frustrating, and ultimately painful life, a life apart from God. Interestingly, this warning is not addressed to the pagans living around them, but to God's own people, right? God is warning his people that they could try to do life on their own. They could try to navigate life using their wisdom instead of God's. They could try to do life on their own, neglecting God's people, the community that God has placed around them. So this is a warning not for the people out there, but but for people in here, for the people of God, right? Starting with us, right? We could attempt in 2023, right, to, to live life on our own, to be functional Atheists, even as Christians, right? We can just think we've got what we need to make things happen. We live in West Michigan. It's such a comfortable, chill place. We're shielded from a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the pains and sufferings that other people experience in this lovely, family-friendly place here, right? We don't need any of that help that God offers, right? We could live without reference to who God is and what he's doing. Uh, and the consequences of this can be pretty devastating, right? And, and some of this stuff is very obvious, right? The the thorn bush responses, this, you know, withered tree in the desert. For instance, if your accountability group is Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, and Jameson, right, you know you've got problems, right? You know, that would be fairly obvious if you are in debt up to your eyebrows, right? You know you, you may have a spending problem, right? If your relationships are nothing but drama, right, then you're like, hey, wait, some, something's wrong in my life, if you're escaping with too much TV or too many novels and just trying to escape all the responsibilities that you have in life, if you are a raging workaholic and have no time for your friends and family, uh, right, you know you've got a problem. Uh, but sometimes the problems are more subtle, particularly for those of us that are Christians. That's why I uh, gave you guys a little bit of handout. I don't know if you guys got that as you're walking in, um, but there's a lovely little handout there. Um, that I've used many times in our church from the gospel-centered life. Um, and it gives you a little list here. And, and the, the language in the book is, the, is orphan tendencies versus uh, son or daughter tendencies. And so I'm just kind of changing the metaphor here for you this morning. Just imagine that one side is the thorn bush and the other side is the fruitful life. Uh, just, just think about some of these as some of these thorn bush responses, some of this shrub that's just withering in the wilderness. And maybe uh, if, if the Holy Spirit prompts you, maybe check one or two of those boxes as an area in your life, maybe where you'd like to see some growth and maturity happen this year. And so here are some of the things that you might want to be looking for in your own life here that would, rec- that would demonstrate that you're living this kind of way. Uh, here's one. Lacks a vital daily intimacy with God. Anxious about friends, money, work, and school, etc., Feels as if no one cares about you. 
lives on a success-fail basis, needs to look good, feels guilty and condemned, struggles to trust things to God, has to fix problems, not very teachable, is defensive when accused of error, uh, needs to be right, lacks confidence, feels discouraged and defeated, strong-willed with ideas, agendas, and opinions, solution to failure, try harder, has a critical spirit, complaining, bitterness, tears others down, a competent analyst of others' weaknesses, ouch, Uh, tends to compare self to others, feels powerless to defeat the flesh, needs to be in control of situations and others, looks for satisfaction in position, looks for satisfaction in possessions, tends to be motivated by obligation and duty, not love. As you're looking through this list, I would just invite you to prayerfully consider maybe ways in which right, you're living more out of this thorn bush mentality. You're living kind of in a barren wasteland without all the resources that maybe God has for you in your life. Our text uh, contrasts this shrub in the desert, right, this, this tree that's just withering under the heat of life uh, with this tree bearing abundant fruit, abundant fruit in verse 8. What's the difference between uh, these two trees? Well, the difference in our text, right, is Water, right? The decisive difference between these two trees is their access to water, right? We see the first one is living out in this desert wilderness space in verse 6. But verse 8, he is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Uh, The difference between these two trees is access to water. The one is in the wilderness no water, no access. The other one is by a stream, and no matter what's happening, no matter what the season, it is access to water. Now, water is a metaphor throughout Scripture for the presence and power of God. It's what makes this fruitful tree grow. We can see this clearly in verse 13. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living Water. You see, God is a fountain of living water. He is uh, a resource, right, for growth and maturity and flourishing in our Christian lives. And, and so our text this morning talks about a tree that's, that's sunk its roots down deep into the living water and is, is sending forth shoots and bearing abundant fruit because it's connected to this water supply, right? Jesus riffs on both metaphors in John's gospel. In John 4 and in John 7, Jesus says, I am the living water, right? You want water that's going to well up forever? I am that person. I am the living water. In John 15, he says he's the true vine, right? We see these metaphors both play out. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is John 15. In John 15, Jesus says these words, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in you, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, right? The decisive difference between these two trees is the access to 
the water and the decisive distance between Christians and non-Christians is their access to the presence and power of God in their lives. And so, of course, the, the million-dollar question is how do we experience more of God's presence and power in our lives in 2023, right? We don't want to just be this withered up tree that's just living a fearful and anxious and angry and angst-filled life. We want to be fruitful trees, right? Bearing fruit for God and his kingdom. I want to suggest that two words uh, summarize the Bible's answer uh, to what it means to experience more of God's presence and power. And those two words are repentance and faith. Repentance, especially in the Old Testament context, is turning away from sin and turning towards God. That's what the word shuv is, a word to turn, to repent, to turn back from God. The indictment in verse 13 is that God's people have turned away from God instead of turning towards him. Uh, The prodigal son is the classic New Testament picture of repentance, right? If you know the story, you know that there is this younger son who grabs his inheritance and runs off into a far country and squanders his father's wealth in wild living with prostitutes and, and all of that. But then he returns home, right? He, he returns to his father, and the father welcomes him back, throws his arms around him, throws this big, lavish feast, and welcomes him home. Like the prodigal, we too are called to turn away from the distractions, the props, the things that we run to for comfort and safety, and turn to God for those things instead. Martin Luther opened his famous 95 Theses this way. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And sometimes we think, you know, of prodigals returning home as like a once in a lifetime sort of experience. Like, you know, you go off, you know, you you have that crazy lifestyle, you sow your wild oats and you come back. Uh, But in the Bible, repentance is a lifestyle thing. It's, it's a, our lives are made up of, of thousands of mini repentances, little, little moments of repentance turning to Jesus in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our temptations, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our fears. Turning to Jesus is what repentance does. Sometimes people think of repentance as like feeling sorry or apologizing or saying, but repentance biblically is turning away from your sin and turning to God. You haven't actually repented till you've actually turned back to God for all that he offers. And the flip side of this movement towards God, if repentance is turning away from sin, turning to God, the flip side of that coin is faith, right? We turn away from our sin and we turn to God, trusting all that he is for us. Uh, We see this in verse 7, repeated twice, just in case we missed it. Blessed or happy is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord, the psalmist, or the psalmist, Jeremiah here is saying in this text, right, that the person that's really going to experience the good life, the happy life, is that person who's trusting in the Lord, who's walking alongside him, who's trust that the Lord has all that they needed. Not only are they turning away from the distractions to the true and living God, they're trusting that he has all that they need, that he is truly the fountain of living water, that he has all that we need. <clears throat> now, how do we do that, right? On the one hand, um, how, do we, how do we repent and how do we turn to God in faith? On the one hand, I'm, I'm not super concerned about your technique here, right? We read, you know, the story of the prodigal son and he arose and went to his father. The text doesn't really get a lot into the logistics and details. It's like he came home <laughs> to the father and the father welcomed him with open arms and received him, right? God is 
present. You can meet him right here this morning. If you go, run to him in prayer, right? You can spend some time at home today seeking his face. Um, He's there. He's accessible. He's available. But I also realize that sometimes we struggle with what this looks like practically, uh, specifically as it relates to the different struggles in our lives, right? Running to Jesus can become just another pious religious cliche. And that's why we're offering a class to help you experience the presence and power of God more clearly in your life, to take the truths of the gospel and actually apply them to the the different areas in which our hearts struggle to believe it, struggle to really appropriate all of the riches that God has for us. And so if you're like, that just feels like pious cliches, come join our class. We're going to be practically looking at what it looks like to bring the presence and power of God more and more to bear on the very real struggles and challenges of our everyday life. And I'm really excited to be doing that together with you all. So we've looked at the heat, we've looked at the the thorns, we've looked at the water, and finally I want to look at the fruit, right? This this passage is leading up here to a tree by streams of water that is just bearing fruit um, in times of drought. It's bearing times of fruit in fruitful seasons. And we see the contrast again, right? This scrub tree in the desert that's shriveling under the heat and this tree bearing fruit in all seasons because it has an unlimited water supply. It can flourish and grow even in the most adverse and difficult Conditions. This is the fruitful Christian life that we see pictured in Psalm 1, in Luke 6, in John 15. It's, it's a tree connected to the presence and power of God growing and bearing fruit. This is the Christian life that, that we all want, right? This is God's design for our lives. God wants us to flourish and grow. God wants us to be people that can handle the heat in our lives, that we can handle the adversity, the challenges, the difficulties that come our way. He wants us to be trees with deep roots that bear fruit in all seasons. Fruit, biblically, is uh, all the good flowing. Fruit, simply defined, is all the good flowing out of our hearts into our actions, into our relationships, and out into the world. Uh, When the Bible talks about fruit, it just talks about it's a metaphor for all the ways that God might be working in and through our lives, right? Jesus describes the fruit in our life simply as loving God and loving neighbor, right? That's a fruitful Christian life is one in which we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Paul describes fruit in our lives simply as faith working through love. It's It's trusting God and living into that in all kinds of different ways and expressions. So what might might fruit look like a little bit more concretely than that? Similar to the thornbush responses, many of the fruit will be obvious, right? Practical expressions of love for our brothers and sisters in the faith, you know, cooking a meal for somebody who's having a kid, visiting somebody in the hospital, right? Very simple, concrete, practical things. Um, practical loving care for the widow, the orphan, the refugee, right? Categories the Bible calls us to love. Generosity as it relates to our time and talents and treasure, a heart to serve God's people, right? Those are all just obvious uh, fruit. But maybe if you want to go a little deeper, maybe down into the heart too, you can look at the other side of our little sheet there in this orphan versus son sheet and just notice some ways maybe that the gospel might come home in some new and fresh way. So, so if you want to pull that sheet up again, and if the Holy Spirit nudges you to maybe check a few of those boxes and say, man, I would love to grow in some of those areas this year. I'd love to see just more freedom, uh, more of these realities. I encourage you maybe to just check a few of those and start praying that God might be working in those areas. Here are a few ways in which we might bear fruit as Christians. I think this list is beautiful. 
Listen to these lists here. Again, this is from the gospel-centered life. Uh, feels freed from worry because of God's love for you. Wouldn't that be wonderful, right? Learning to live in daily partnership with God, right? Not just showing up at the church on a Sunday morning, but, but you live your life in daily partnership with God. Not fearful of God, right? Or not fearful in the wrong ways, I should say. Uh, feels forgiven and totally accepted, a daily trust in God's sovereign plan for your life, right? God's got this. Whatever is going on, he is sovereign. He's in control. Prayer is a first resort. This one is always so convicting to me because I'm like ready to go do something. Prayer as a first resort. Content in relationships because you're accepted by God. Freedom from making a name for yourself is teachable by others, open to criticism because you rest on Christ's perfection, able to examine your deeper motives, able to take risks even to fail, encouraged by the Spirit working in you, able to see God's goodness in dark times, content with what Christ has provided, trusting less in self and more in the Holy Spirit, aware of inability to fix life, people, and problems, is able to freely confess your faults to others, doesn't always have to be right. It's a tough one. Does not gain value from man-made props, experiences more and more victory over the flesh. Prayer is a vital, ongoing part of the day. Jesus is more and more the subject of conversation. God truly satisfies your soul. I mean, I can't think of a better way to start uh, the year than to take a little bit of an inventory here, right? Maybe of the ways that our lives look a little bit more withered, like that thorn tree, even as Christians, right? Not experiencing the presence of power in God in our lives versus some of these beautiful, uh, beautiful indications of God's spirit at work in our lives, right? These are, this is the kind of people, right? We want to be as Christians. And if you want to continue to dig in, of course, I'd invite you to come check out our class as we try to put some of this to work here together in thing. Get some other people that you would walk alongside of this, maybe in your life transformation group to say, hey, I really want to grow in this area. Would you help me to grow? Would you be praying that God would work and move in those areas? Man, I would love to sit down uh, at the end of 2023 and just see, hear testimonies of the work of God in each of these areas here. So I want to close uh, this morning uh, just with a vision from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, this is a vision Jesus uh, told his hearers uh, that he had come to fulfill in a sermon in his hometown in Nazareth in Luke 4, uh, 16 through 30. Jesus quotes this beautiful text from Isaiah and says, behold, I have <laughs> this, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. And here's, here's the prophecy. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Jesus is not settling for little shrubs or little saplings. He is planting oaks of righteousness, and he won't settle for anything else, anything less. Will you? 
This morning, as we think about and as we look around at each other, at the work God is doing in our midst here, God's planting oaks of righteousness. He's looking not just at this year, but he's looking at the years and the decades to follow us and the legacy that we are building here at our church and in our lives and in our families. It's a beautiful opportunity to be growing up as a young church, to be these oaks of righteousness that would produce uh, tremendous fruit here in our city and around the world. So let's pray uh, that God might be doing that work even here in our midst. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, Jeremiah 17. Uh, We thank you for the way you use metaphors, uh, uh, both the prophets and the Psalms and your own and Jesus' teaching. Uh, God, use these beautiful pictures of trees bearing fruit so we can get it, so we can have a picture in our mind of what this fruitful Christian life looks like. And so I pray uh, as we step into this new year, God, that you would be helping each of us grow and mature, uh, that this church would be a place, this would be a greenhouse, God, where people would be able to grow and mature uh, and, uh, yeah, bear incredible fruit for your kingdom and for your work. Uh, both here in our city and around the world. And so, yeah, we pray uh, for all of that. Your spirit will be working and moving and that you'd be glorified in all the fruit that you'd be pleased to bring here in our midst. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.